Welcome to People's Church Podcast. I wanted to speak to you this morning, part two on our series of meaning. It's called Meaning. And uh, I want to talk to you about serving God by serving others. It's an interesting video, the free to serve video. Um, what you do with your freedom can affect everyone around you. Have you noticed that? What you do with your freedom can affect everyone around you. Scripture says in chapter 10 of Ephesians 2, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were born, God chose and prepared you for what he wanted you to do. In fact, it says in 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Jesus said, your attitude must, must be like my own, for I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve. Seen that word quite a bit this morning in the video, in the singing, to be served, to serve and to, and to, to serve others. Your attitude must be like Jesus. Well, how, what's, that, what's that like? What is his attitude really like? Do I, do I need to go out and, uh, you know, get the robes? No, that's not attitude. Do I need to go out and uh, grow the beard? No, that's not attitude. Do I need to speak in a very formal voice? That's not attitude, because Jesus was Jesus. He was uh, our Messiah, our Savior. He, was, he, he came to his own, and his own forsook him. So he uh, talked to everyone he could. The, the uh, song that was sung this morning, this is amazing grace, unfailing love, that he took our place, that he bore our cross, he laid down his life that we would be set free. Indeed, that we would be set free and free to serve. To, uh, to be free to serve is actually the true meaning of life. With Jesus in our hearts, we go out. Serving God by serving others, we are learning to serve or to live like Jesus. See, service and life are, you, you can just spin them around. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk to you about in learning to serve or to live like Jesus is by being available. So in the Gospels, there's this little story. Two men Two blind men shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. What do you want me to do for you? Have you ever asked somebody, what do you want me to do for you? Serving God by serving others. You've got to be available. Interesting in this passage of scripture, scripture, you know, we always talk about the steps of Jesus. 
You know, the steps we talk about, well, he walked here, he walked there. But it's interesting to consider the stops of Jesus. He stopped here and he stopped there. The interruptions. How many here really like to be interrupted when they're into whatever you're into? Oh, oh you're okay with it, eh? You're all okay with it. Yeah, just interrupt me anytime. Well, I know myself, I don't think I'm the only one in the room that really doesn't like to be interrupted that much. But Jesus, he, he, he was interrupted and he used it. He said, you know, he really would have said, well, interrupt me if you want to, whenever you want to. We've got to be available. That's really the first thing here when we talk about learning to serve and learning to live like Jesus did. We've got to be available. He was available in his steps. He was available in his stops. He was available wherever he went. See, it's not about your ability. Although we talk about, you know, Training, coming out to 101, 401, 101 to 401 next week. That's definitely training. We talk about, you know, uh, serving the Lord and, and, you know, studying the Bible and knowing the Bible. About, you know, doing your trade. Uh, working hard at being uh, the best you can. Doing excellence, as it were. But... Your availability, it's never about your ability. It's about your availability. In fact, take the avail out of ability. The veil means, well, you know, I'm there, I'm avail. I'm avail. You don't use that word, it's old English. I'm avail. I'm avail. Um, but it means this. You, all you got is ability if you take the avail, well, avail out of availability. I mean, that's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> Someone said, John Wesley said, do all the good you can do by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. That's pretty much life, isn't it? Proverbs 3.28 says, never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. That interesting incident. At my house one night, Debbie and I were just uh, kind of falling to sleep, and uh, it was in the winter, it's a cold night, uh, midnight, close to midnight, and uh, maybe I'd probably been dozing away for a while, we, we usually read and stuff like that, and I hear this cry outside, help, help, help me, help me. And, okay, we got to go check this out. So I got up and put on my clothes and got going. Help me, still going on. Help me, in the background. So I go out the door, and uh, I see it's my neighbor next door. Single man. Uh, said, what's going on? I, I won't use his name. Uh, and so I went up with him into the house, and he said, yeah, um, my 
what happened was his, his trailer, it froze up. And the, you know that little thing that goes up to the toilet? The water goes up to the toilet? Well, it, it, it froze and it was gushing all over. I mean, there was like this much water in his bathroom. And so, well, we got to get that shut off. So uh, he said, I know, I got to get it shut off, but I don't know where. So I, I happened to know where and I went in and we shut it off. Um, unfortunately, what he had forgotten was uh, that you can't turn your heat off when you go out to work in the oil patch for two weeks. Uh, so that was a problem. But um, that's what, never tell your neighbor to wait till tomorrow. Well, no, we're going to wait till tomorrow, neighbor. You know, uh, we'll wait till tomorrow and, you know, that place would have been just a mess. It was a, it was a bit of a mess already. So here's the thing though, there are generally three roadblocks that prevent people from being available. It might have prevented me at another time not to, to, to not be available, these roadblocks. They may prevent you from being, not being available. Uh, the scripture says, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand, Philippians 2.4. The first, uh, a roadblock is self-centeredness. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So if we're going to make a difference, if we're truly going to find purpose and fulfillment in this thing of serving others, serving the Lord uh, by serving others, we have to take our eyes off ourselves. We have to look to Jesus and, look to, and then look to serve others. Only to look to Jesus and he'll show us who we need to serve. And you know, it can be, it can be a panicky situation like it was with my neighbor. It can, it can be just a very casual situation somewhere at a, in a bank line. And just somebody wants to talk. You can uh, get, a, get a talk going with somebody. See, the great temptation, uh, I think, in the world we live in, maybe even more so, is to go to this fallback position in times of great pressure. It doesn't do us any good, and of course it doesn't do any good for others, and it doesn't glorify God, and uh, God is giving us all sorts of opportunities in this world to serve others. Not just by talking, but by, by doing things and really getting to know people and really getting to show God's love for them. The second roadblock is perfectionism. If I can't do it right, I won't do it at all. Probably because of this excuse, you won't take the risk to put yourself out there, to serve others. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about going out and being an evangelist to the world. I'm talking about serving your neighbor. If I can't do it right, I won't do it at all. That's a, that's a roadblock, isn't it? Now in the scripture it says, and, and this is one that we might get hung up on, it says, be perfect therefore as your heavenly Father is, 
is perfect, Matthew 5, 48. Uh, that might be quite confusing to you, but actually it's an encouragement. Aren't you glad that there's no one as perfect as God and that we get to serve him? Sometimes, you know, we think, well, you know, I'm just made a mess of it. But we get to serve him and we don't have to be perfect to do it. So any of you here that say, well, perfectionism is a good thing, right? No, it says be perfect as your heavenly father. Your heavenly father is not a perfectionist. You may have thought from previous experience in your life, you may have thought with some, maybe some damage that came into your life, some, somebody forceful said, you got to do it right. If you don't do it right, do it again. That's not right. That's not, that's not true. That is not God the Father's attitude towards us as his children who sometimes fumble around and make a lot of mistakes and yet we get this great job to talk to others about Jesus, to help them, to become friendly with them, to give them a helping hand along the way. See, Perfection isn't a thing with God. It's that you know his son Jesus. You personally know him. The word is to be holy as he is holy. You say, oh, oh boy, that's even, that's even harder than perfection. No, holiness is Christ's life within us. It's accepting him as our Lord and Savior, allowing him to come in to our lives and to change us. To work out his, what he's put in. That grace that first touched you. So that you can go out and not be perfect for the world, but go out and be real for the world. Scripture goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Third roadblock, roadblock is materialism. This is inner, inner barrier. It's materialism and will block your availability for God to use you. You know, it's often misquoted that money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Taking care of things and stuff and worry about your, about your bank account. That's what sometimes takes the place of taking care of people. The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money makes money the master. And you don't have to be rich to fall into that. Secondly, learning to serve like Jesus uh, is being grateful. So we first had by being, uh, being available. Second, by being grateful. The Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness. Uh, in Psalm 102. It also says in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 9, it is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work, not because we deserved it, but because... That was his plan. We talk about gratefulness a lot 
in church, in services, you know, not just Thanksgiving, but in other places. It's a very important thing, but I want to talk to you here quickly about being aware of the roadblocks, those inner interior, internal barriers that stop us from being grateful. Um, Scripture says, who are you, Romans 14, 4, who are you to criticize someone else's servant? The Lord will determine whether his servant has been successful. The servant will be successful because the Lord makes him successful. So one of the real roadblocks to our gratitude in our lives is comparing and criticizing. Done any of that? Comparing and criticizing? Don't raise your hand. Done any of it recently? Don't raise your hand. Comparing and criticizing, that's, that's quite the thing in our world today. I think it's risen. I think it's risen, uh, got, got more and more even because of social media. That's a real outlet for it, I think. See, if that's where we're at, we need his grace. The Bible says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. The lifesaver that we need in this society that we live, of social media, of complaining and criticizing, we need Jesus to throw it into those rough seas because we live in them continuously. It's our, it's our culture, this criticizing and complaining. It's also one of the things that we, as fallen human beings, continuously are tempted to fall back into. Those rough seas are all around us. But he said, my grace is sufficient. It's enough for you. You say, I, I, can't, I can't stop it. I can't stop criticizing, comparing. It seems to be part of me. Uh, it isn't. He throws you a lifesaver. It says, come on, jump on. Your, my grace is sufficient for you. And the other one, uh, the other roadblock is uh, wrong motivations. Serving God by serving others, we can get wrong motivations. Matthew 6, 1. Jesus said, when you do good deeds, don't try to show off. If you do, you won't get a reward from your Father in heaven. Being available. Being grateful. Number three, by being faithful. Learning to serve like Jesus is being faithful. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Jesus said that. He said that in his great prayer of John chapter 17. It was called the priestly prayer of Jesus where he uh, was with his disciples and he prayed, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. He's telling his disciples, servants, finish the job. Servants complete their responsibility. It also implies, of course, that we've been trusted with something to do. As I said earlier, being, being faithful does not depend on your talent. 
It doesn't depend even on your energy. It doesn't depend on your education. But it does depend on you showing up with a surrendered heart. Faithfulness has everything to do with surrender. There's no quality of fear in such a thing. It's just surrender. Acceptance and grace from our Lord we have. The only fear we have is that we need to have reverence and remember that it has been finished by him on the cross and done. Now we can go serve God who loved us and gave his life for us to serve others. Commit to our commitments. If we have our commitments right, if we have this commitment right to Jesus, we'll have this commitment right to others. Paul the Apostle was talking to his young uh, pastor, one that, one that he, I guess he, he kind of sponsored him. Timothy was his charge. And he was mentoring him. He's a young man. He said this, I have no regrets. I know whom I have believed and I, whom I, I have trusted. That he can take care of what he has trusted to me to do the right thing to the end. Can others count on you? We're speaking of others. We're not just speaking of just masses of people out there. Can others continue to count on you? Can your family continue to count on you? Can your loved ones continue to count on you? Can your friends continue to count on you? As this world seems to be crumbling around us, these words are for us. I have no regrets. I know whom I believed and trusted that he can take care of what he has trusted to me. And he's trusted something very precious to each one of us here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, with all this going on for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time. All this going for us, he says. You say, you're kidding me. What do we got going for us? Well, they didn't have much more going for them back then either. They were suppressed by the Roman Empire, which was the dirtiest army, despicable leaders, uh, killers. They didn't care about anybody. I'm not kidding you about this. We do have it all going for us. Do we think that, that way every day? You get up thinking that? No. I hardly ever get up thinking that. But I have to get my heart in line. I have to let God speak to my heart and say, this is, 
you really do have it all going for us. This is not just some cheerleader standing on the side. This is the Holy Spirit saying, you've got this. You've got it going for you. You've got the blood of Christ. You're forgiven. Go out there. And what, in this whole, this passage here, what Paul's talking about, he's talking actually literally about the resurrection of our bodies in eternity. That's the context. With all this going for us, does that make more sense? With, yes, with all this going for us. Stand your ground and don't hold back. Serve God by serving others by being faithful. Timothy says, there are roadblocks we overcome. He says to them, and he reminds them this. He says, if we are faithless, he remains, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Like that's, that's like a, a bottom line. If we are faithless, yeah, we're going to mess up. We're going to seem some days like faith is far, far away from us. We're going to feel all, like we're faithless, but we don't look to ourselves. We look to him. Because he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. You know what that means? If God were to deny himself, it would mean the universe would end. Because he created it all. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. He created the atoms. He created all, the, the, all those things. So it says in the second part of this verse, throw yourself into the work without, uh, uh, into the work of the master, sorry. Oh, I don't want to do that. I, you know, you want to, we want to walk gently there. Got to be careful. You know, we, and we go, out, we go out a little bit tentative. But the word is, the words are throw yourself. What does that imply? Throw yourself. It implies abandonment. Not, not that you'd say, well, I'm leaving my family. I'm going to just go out and do this missionary thing. That's not what it's saying. It says abandon yourself. It's talking about this inner person that holds us back and gives us all the sort of... Uh, uh, you know, regrets and no, I can't do this and roadblocks all over the place. He's orchestrated the opportunity, so throw yourself into the work. Serve others. Wash others' feet, as the, the uh, video was showing us earlier in the service. But here's something that's uh, very important. It's implied in this scripture that if you're to do this. And he's our master that he requires accountability. And to be confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time. You might say, well, somebody stopped me along the way. I had this, this. I had to go get the, the dry cleaning. I had to go pick up some groceries. But I got stopped along the way. And I had, to, I had to help this guy with his flat tire. Or I had to help this mom. 
she was wigging out over her kid, or whatever, you know. And I need to comfort, needed to comfort them. I needed to help this person across the street, whatever it may be. Nothing you do for him is a waste of time. I uh, was walking down the hall here one afternoon, the, not the hall behind us, and I heard these ladies talking in the and they were in the nursery. Now I didn't hear any, hear or see any children, didn't see any children around, so I, I peeked my head in, and what I saw was two ladies washing and cleaning a big bunch of kids' toys. Now, you might think right now, that's an insignificant task. I mean, is that, is that doing something for others? Of course it is. These ladies were doing it with the right motive. And here's a couple things I want you to, uh, to, to, to think about. Equal dedication to every task. Oh, it's just toddler toys. Equal dedication to every task. Not, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. That word but, I think, is missed on the outline, so you need to write that in. Equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Ecclesiastes 11.4. It's a wise guy that wrote that. I mean a wise man, not, not a wise guy. A wise man. God isn't looking for your particular talents. He is first looking for your heart. Each one of us has a gift from God here, at least one, but he's not necessarily just looking for that gift, although he will use that gift, but he's looking, he's looking for your heart. God can use the smallest act of, smallest act of service. And the fourth one is being generous. Out of sheer generosity, be put, he put, uh, sorry, out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to, us to where he always wanted us to be and he did it by means of Jesus Christ. I got to write bigger on here. See, as rich as Jesus was in heaven, and I don't mean rich, I mean, I mean rich, like he's, he's with God in heaven, and he is, he is God, the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's in heaven. And when one stroke he became poor, that we would become rich. One stroke, he's here on earth. He humbled himself by taking on the form of a man. Does he have your heart? Does he have the center of you? Does he have that 
because he's looking for your heart. I'm going to ask the band and singers to join me on stage for this last little story. It's about a story about Jesus and what he thought generosity was. So Jesus was uh, teaching in the temple, and it's recorded in Mark chapter 12. And he had a, it had a pretty rough day there, if you read through the whole chapter. But you come to the end of the chapter, and Jesus now is resting, and he's resting near the treasury in the temple. It's where people drop off their money. And he was looking how the crowd was throwing their money into the collection boxes. He was looking there. And... Uh, he noticed many rich people giving large offerings of money. But along comes this poor little widow. She puts in two copper coins, two pennies, you could call them. In the scripture, you call them two mites. It's less than 10% of, uh, of one cent today or two loonies in Canadian. No, sorry. Actually, it's not, it wasn't even, it wasn't even 2% of a person's daily earnings, the average person back then. And he says, ah, teachable moment for my disciples. He says, Jesus, come over here, boys. I want to say something to you. He said, you saw that, you guys. Here's the truth. The widow gave more than all the others put together. Huh? Did we hear our master right? They probably looked at him perplexed. He put to get, he, he put, she put in there more than all the others. Because they gave what they'd never miss. She gave extravagantly, extravagantly. What she couldn't afford, she gave her all. If you're waiting on God to use you, what he's doing is waiting on you. And it's not about your resources. It's not about your, your, your uh, talents, your skills, although he will use those, but it's about your heart. Sometimes we wait on the perfect condition, on that, that, thingy, that thing that will look really good if he gets me to do that thing. What we like, what we prefer, what's down my, you know, it's kind of it's got to be in, in my lane, so to speak. It's got to be something I prefer. But he's waiting on you and I to use us to make the difference in places you go, the people you touch, and the circumstances that you see. God wants to use you by to serve to serve him 
by serving others. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads. Now there may be someone here that you've never surrendered all to Jesus. Maybe someone online. And I would like to invite you this morning, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, to pray this prayer with me. Just uh, follow me. Pray in your mind. Whisper it. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn my sins, I turn from my sins, and I ask you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust, I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. I want to serve you the rest of my days. Amen. Now for us, Christians, let's pray again. Jesus said, the harvest is great, the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to call you into his fields. That's a special prayer. That's a personal prayer for each one of us, wherever our field may be. Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, you would help us with these barriers that we have that keep us from being available. Lord, help us to not go out with grudges, but to be grateful, grateful every day for what you've done for us. And Lord, grateful in the work you've called us to do, even if it, we might think it's not important. Thank you for all those, Lord, that serve here at the church amongst us. Thank you, Lord, this morning for those who are serving with their children this morning, grandchildren this morning, with our youth. Bless them, Lord. But Lord, you're calling more. Lord, we place our hearts before you. We thank you. Thank you for the year that has just passed us and all the times that you helped us. And Lord, we pray for opportunities in this new year. Lord, for us to be faithful, to serve others, just like Jesus, like you served us and came to this world. As a babe in a manger, we just celebrated and went to the cross. Help us to be faithful, Lord, every day to your calling on our lives. And Lord, help us to be generous also. 
Help us to be generous with our love, with our money, with our goods, with everything we have to serve this world, not just socially, but to serve this world in opportunity to be able to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news to them. I pray, Lord, that you would light our hearts on fire for others in our city, in our province, in our nation, in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.